have you guys ever wondered how can I overcome the way I was raised by my parents? Yes, I have actually. And um, some of these questions that we come up with to title these podcasts are from our Patreon community. They are you guys are loyal listeners who are in there doing their work and asking these real questions of how do I get past this stuff? And so we love you guys over there. If you haven't popped over there, it's a really great place to ask the deep questions to get more uh, detailed in how things work on your story. And um, that's just the betrayed, the addicted and the expert over on Patreon. We are so glad that you're here because you're choosing to thrive after betrayal, trauma, or addiction. Hi, I'm Ashlyn, the once betrayed. I'm Kobe, the once addicted. And I'm Brandon, the expert. Now, why am I an expert? Because I've treated betrayal, trauma, and addiction for over a decade. Okay, guys, we are going to start off with a review. Love having you. Glad you're with us. So this is called New Listener, New Learner. Thank you for this podcast. I stumbled upon it on a business trip. I thank God for it. My husband and I have been married for almost 28 years, and the cycle of betrayal started even before we got married. About a year ago, he had an emotional affair, and I was mentally spiraling out of control. I fell into depression, and at one point asked God to just take me home. Your transparency and authenticity is, refre- is refreshing, to say the least. I started listening June 10th, and I believe I've listened to 10 episodes or more. They are helping me. I shared your first episode with him through text, currently separated, and he listened and texted me back with, this is us. I'm beginning to see a glimmer of hope. Pray for us to come through on the other side like y'all. I know this will be an addition to our ministry. Thank you. May the Lord bless you all as you bring truth and light to a topic that no one talks about, especially in the church. Very generous review. We appreciate that. We're grateful for it. Just um, keep just keep battling. Keep going. The hard times are going to hit. And uh, sounds like you've worked through some hard times already, but just, just keep working it. And we're here to support you and help you yeah. in, in the way that we can. So, And I will say the battle, the fight, it sounds really daunting, but it does get better. And it is no longer a fight and a battle. Absolutely. Okay. So you think of therapy and you know you're it's kind of cliche to think person laying down on the couch on in a therapist's office and they're talking about all of all of the ways in which their parents screwed them up and um you know we're not supposed to blame our parents for our problems but the reality is is your parents did screw up um and as a parent you are screwing up um there's things that you're doing that are wounding your children and there's ways that you were wounded by your parents. So as we talk about this today, I would just caution you to check your, your uh, parent guilt or parent shame at the door um, and realize you're probably doing the best that you can. Um, but what we want to talk about are different ways in which we are wounded by our parents. And, and as adults, as we're growing, and as, as we're learning, our ability to overcome those things is where we really find some strength. Um, so um, I talk about father wounds all the time. We talk about enmeshment with mothers. We talk about um, narcissistic family systems and all, all this therapy babble speak stuff. But we'll break down what this stuff is. And as we talk, maybe you'll recognize, oh, 
I have some of those wounds. Oh, that's why my attachment style is this way or that way, or that's why I struggle in my marriage in this way or that way, or that's where my addiction is coming from. Um, so this isn't about blame. This is about understanding and acceptance. So do you guys want to speak to your experience with family wounds and parenting wounds? Yeah. Yay. I hope my mom's <laughs> listening. No. Um, yeah. And I, I honestly do believe the phrase you said, um, you're probably doing the best that you can. That's something Kobe says a lot because it's giving that grace and love back to his parents, but also accepting that there's pain yeah. and there were wounds, but he loves them and can see that they really were trying and doing the best they could. Right. So I think that's an important part of this. Um, I think for me, when I started to, um, it was when I did my shame resiliency course that I really started to dive into the family wounds mm-hmm. and to, I mean, I, we had to draw a diagram and pictures of, of little traumas and big traumas that really stood out. And I started noticing that a lot of them were within my family mm-hmm. and things that I didn't really think affected me were. Yes. And we're bringing a lot of shame to who I, who I was and how I thought about myself, um, how I was showing up to Kobe, to friends and as a parent. And, you know, you brought up something that's important to understand. There, there's big trauma and there's little trauma. Uh, big trauma are, are obvious things like, you know, dad dying when I was five. That would be a big trauma and that would leave some wounds, some father wounds. And, it, you know, it's nothing that he did, but this didn't really happen to me. But that would be a big trauma. Uh, little trauma is much more um, covert. It's much more subtle. And it's the little trauma is what all of us experience to some degree. And um, it's like just our attachment. not getting picked for kickball on recess until kind, the last one. Kind of. It's, it's like just maybe dad doesn't know how or is not good at emotionally connecting to you. So as a kid, as a child, you know, children are so based in energy and they pick up on that and they know that and they feel that even if he's saying all the right things, but if they just don't feel empathized with or connected to or seen from their father, that, that, that little thing over time from their father creates a big wound Um, can I share kind of, and I want you to step in and share the story, but it's kind of what you both said. Kobe gave like a really silly experience that most of us have, but then you explained, no, it's probably this deeper thing right right here. So Kobe had what I would say is a little, is a small trauma and maybe looks stupid to other people. They'd be like, why is that affecting you? That's dumb. Um, that you did EMDR about in the car. Oh, yeah. That shows that your dad just wasn't able to be present and show up for you in that moment, Mm -hmm. but that it totally affected him because he felt like his dad couldn't stand up for him, that no Uh one was protecting him or Mm -hmm. those things. Yeah. Just just real quick, as far as the context with it, uh, I'm probably nine, give or take. And in the family car... At a house, my mom runs in to go get something from this uh, this this woman, and <laughs> we're in this really rad Chevy Nova with final seats. So that'll tell you how old I am. Uh, and my sister, my older sister, is really berating me for some reason. I can't remember why. And I remember sitting in the back seat, and then the the situation became really intense, and I started just crying and bawling. 
and there was a lot of fury and resentment in my tears. And I remember just, just pleading, not screaming, but kind of like yelling, like, why do you hate me? Why do you pick on me? Why don't you love me? Why are you so mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I, I just can't, I just don't understand why you do this. And my dad, and I'm in the back, I'm in the rear driver's seat. Um, and I'm just in the corner just, and I, and I don't remember any other faces except the silhouette of my dad's head in front of me. And my dad just sat quiet. He didn't say anything. And what that demonstrated to me was that my dad couldn't be trusted to show up for me right. when I needed it. Right. Now, now, think about it. Is that true? Now, your experience as a child, that's what cemented in. Mm-hmm. That, that belief, that thought, that, that, that was the trauma of feeling. Yeah. Now, we don't know exactly what was going on with your dad in that moment and no why idea. he did that. But you experienced something significant then. And that wound... It, it pierced you to your soul. You you felt it deeply, yeah. right? Um, and, and this is what I'm saying: like parents are in a no-win situation. <laughs> uh, we can do the best that we possibly can. Talk about giving Our, some giving some hope. You're just <laughs> handing it out. Yeah, I mean, I've heard stories of you know, dad was way too perfect and there for me all the time and didn't give me a chance to learn and grow. Like that's mm. the wound that he has. Um, you know, but but then you know, there's. There's the obvious ones. Dad was an alcoholic and um, just was was physically abusive. And that's more big T stuff. But an alcoholic father also brings with him a lot of little T stuff into that equation. Um, and so uh, the, these traumas and these wounds, they turn into um, outcomes in our life, they, the symptoms in our lives as adults. And we, we know that. So you know, you're bumping along and let's say you have a lot of little T, you, you have a lot of big T going on, uh, both from mom and from dad. You meet the love of your life and you get married. All of a sudden, things start to show up in your marriage and they manifest themselves because you're taking patterns that your parents gave to you and you're bringing it into your relationship. And it always shows itself with attachment. So it shows itself in the, w- in the way that you have secure attachment or not. Explain what that is for real quick. <laughs> so let's say that I'll just make something up. Let's say my father never was there for me. Let's say he was just shut down all the time. Okay. So I really, really desired to be seen and to be loved. So then I got in a relationship with um, a woman or with my wife or whatever. And then I would show up with anxious attachment, trying to be seen and trying to be loved by her and needing her to validate me all the time. Um, that, that will drive her crazy and she'll want to disconnect. Um, but that will be my unhealthy fear in the relationship. So, so you can see the, the symptoms of my attachment wounds coming out in my relationship. Now, um, one of the, one of the examples of this is addiction. Uh, Addiction is, our attempt to find God. It's our attempt to, to find peace, to, to, to find okayness. And so if you find heroin or cocaine or alcohol or porn or whatever it is, that thing gives you a sense of okayness for a minute. And so if you have a void there, if you're feeling like I'm not loved, I'm not cared for, I'm not secure or protected by a parent, 
and then you you find this thing that can take that uh, to take that and, and and numb it or make you feel okay you start to replace that um s- s- need for secure attachment with an addiction and that addiction becomes the thing that that both destroys your ability to be comfortable with yourself but also makes it so that you can survive through that insecure attachment am i making sense you guys kind of going to off to me i hope I hope the listeners can understand some. We'll yeah. We'll this do is, more on that. So these it. are the symptoms of the wounds that you see. So it's uh it's actually something this is this topic exactly is what I'm currently going through right now in therapy. And I've got a list of mom wounds that I've got to go through and uh, and do trauma therapy for. And uh, definitely was enmeshed with mom. That's a topic for another day, but um, everything that you just talked about is totally me. I was, my mom was too busy raising seven kids, especially in Mr. Pesto and Eugene's kids. My dad was really busy with work and I was older. So as soon as I was self-sufficient in, to, a, to a degree, mom was worried about the other kids. So I just learned at a young age that maybe they're not here for me. Maybe I think they love me. They do love me, but but they're not like, time I never remember sitting down with my mom and having her read me a book right so I was always anxious and worried about that and what you just said Brandon is exactly what happened with us I brought that anxious um, style of loving anxious style of, a, of emotionally attaching to a loved one with me into our marriage and um, poor Ashlyn you had to deal with that. Well, I brought my own stuff. And the funny thing is, I remember when we were doing these big T, little T diagrams, thinking, I don't, I had such a good life. Like, I had the best childhood. I would totally redo it. I loved it. My parents were great. And so, and the interesting thing is, this is probably pretty common. My siblings remember a very different childhood. Yeah. Because well, um, for sure. They had a very different they childhood. They had, we yeah. all have different experiences, we right? We had different wounds, no matter... Yeah. If you have the same parents or not. So I'm like, yeah. no, I had a great childhood. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Right. And um, so when we started to dive into this, it was like, oh, and I wasn't trying to dig up and make it bad and say, no, I didn't have a good childhood. Look at these things. Right. Because sometimes it can feel like that. Like, why are we even doing this? It's not it's not about blame. It's about yeah. um, understanding. So digging into where you came from and understanding why you are the way you are isn't going back in time to say, mom and dad, you suck. It's all your fault. Um, I have this addiction because all, because of you. It's, no, I want to understand why I have this struggle in my relationship or this addiction or whatever it is because I, I want to understand it. The, 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 way, the way out of the symptoms of it is to go back and step into the pain. Mm-hmm. And that pain is that little boy who's saying, oh my gosh, you, you're not showing up for me. That pain is is going right into that and, and, and feeling that feeling and reprocessing it and coming up with a new set of uh, beliefs about who you are despite what you experienced from your parents. And this is where you can shift the tide on it. You don't have to be, you don't have to spend the rest of your life trying to overcome your wounds from your parents. Um, you can step into the, the fear of it, the pain of it, and then you can choose who who you are and understand who you are despite your wounds. Yeah. Right. One of the, go ahead, Ashlyn. Oh, I was just thinking of 
it is this, it's the power, it's empowering, I think, to, to just have knowledge of like, uh-huh. oh, this is why I am the way I am. It's just knowledge. It's not the, uh, this is why I am the way yes, I am. Yes, I right? love that. And so I think of a little thing, which is Kobe, when we got married, we came from very different families and he came from a very touchy-feely family, mm-hmm. very loving with words of affection and physical touch. I came from a family, we didn't do either. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking back, I really think my parents did say I love you and they did give me hugs. I just don't remember them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I know they did. We do it way more now as adults than we, I think, ever did as children. Mm-hmm. But that was hard for me. It was hard for me. Like, this is who I am, though, Kobe. And that's all I know. This is what was modeled to me. Right. And my parents didn't kiss in front of me. Like, that's just not a thing. And he's like, uh, but it is a thing for yeah. me. Yeah. And what's interesting as you talk about that is, you know, is who are we? Are we, are we nurture? Or are we nature? Because we're born, our souls are in us when we're born. It's there. And then we have these experiences that shape us. And I don't think, I, I don't think you can really change your soul, like who, who you are. But you definitely can work on the way you have been molded. Yes. Right? And so um, so it might be hard. You might look at it, Ashton, and say, well, I'm not touchy-feely because my parents weren't that way. I did that for a long time, Brandon. Right. I really did because right. I was like, I'm in a box and that's who I am. And actually, I just did another 100 things I love about myself. I love doing those because it pushes me to like love myself uh-huh. more and find new ways that I love myself. And one of the things I wrote down was, I no longer say that's just who I am. Yeah. Because that was my defense. Like, yes, I'm this type person. I took this personality test and the Enneagram said I'm this. Right. Right. You're (laughs) not profiling and you're not saying this is who I am because this is what I've experienced. And so this is what I'm going to be. Absolutely not. Your wounds can just like anything, um, they can shape you and they can they can really propel you into being a more authentic empowered like form of you or they can shut you down and and take you out Um, and the beauty of it is is no matter what your wounds are um, some have have more intense wounds than others I heard a story this week that just blew my mind I can't believe that a parent would do that to a child it really angered me almost when I heard this the story um but this, this person was resilient and, and she was strong and, and she took those wounds and turned them into a source of power for her. Um, and, and, and really the, the beauty of, it, of that is that's our choice. Um, are we strong enough to turn and face the pain of it to turn it into a blessing, right? Tony Robbins talks all, all the time about his mother who was perfect for him. And his mother was was very unhealthy. I don't know all the specifics of it, but the way he, he he talks about her is is truly endearing and grateful for her. And he very easily could look at her and say, "Oh my gosh, you tried to screw me up, but look what I became despite you." Yeah. He says, "Oh my gosh, you shaped me. Thank you." Right? There's there there's a difference between the the outlook that he's he's choosing to take on that right there's a really interesting caveat to this that has kept me from that has kept me from sitting in it from going through it you talk about sitting in the pain really just facing the depth and the breadth of 
the wounds, the parent wounds. And that was my desire. I, I don't even know if it was a desire. Just I stood up for my mom. And I, and I defended my mom um, like, hey, you know, she had her own wounds. And she had her own issues to deal with. And she did the best that she could. And she literally just wore herself out. Right. Just doing the best that she knew how. And it was interesting because my therapist was like, it's totally true. And it's important that you have that. But, but as long as you maintain that, you're not going to sit in the anger, the hurt, the pain of what you actually experience. Yes. And, and it was really challenging for me to hear that. And, and here's what's also interesting, right? Is I could not, as a kid, I couldn't push back on mom. It wasn't okay to say, I disagree with you because I was like totally disrespectful. Right. Shoot. I'm the authority. This is why. And um, I still, obviously, still have a problem doing that, even though she's been passed like nine years. And so that's, I guess I'm trying to use that as an example to illustrate the... Um, the path that demands, the path of feeling demands that I'm going to have to go against my norm with my mom and push back and get mad and get angry at her so I can fully feel what I've been trying to push aside. Yes. In order. Yes, but you've got to overcome your guilt of doing so, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's anger in there. Yeah. There's there's feelings toward your mom and the way you were raised, and 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 those feelings are are okay, even if they're negative. Totally. Um. But you've trained yourself and taught yourself to not have those feelings because they're bad. Yep. And you should just defend, forgive, your mom. and forget. Well, and I do think because partly she's passed, and so you don't want. I mean, that's it's, you don't want to go there. That's like, yeah. yeah, she's in a different place and we don't need to bring all that up. And I, I used to do assignments with my my groups where we talk about father wounds. And a, a few times um, we do this father wound assignment. The guys would show up and say, I got nothing. My, I, I don't want my dad's great. He's wonderful. And and it's interesting because I'm sitting in a, a sexual addiction recovery group um, where these guys have major attachment problems, attachment wounds, and things going on in their life. And they're saying, oh, dad was perfect. And, and as you dig in, there's inevitably wounds there. But they don't want to go there. They don't want to rip on dad. They, don't wanna, they feel guilty. They feel bad. They want to protect him. The fact of the matter is, like I said earlier, it's not about blaming him. It's about understanding your wounds around that. So... And there's a great book called Wild at Heart. It's one of my favorite books. And he talks about... I read it. <laughs> yeah. Same. It's, it's really good. excellent. Um, I think everybody sh- needs to read it. I almost shit it on them, but everybody <laughs> needs to read it. It's Must good. read. Yeah. Um, but he talks about in there that, that every boy has a question. And that question is, do I have what it takes? And um, they take their question to their father. And their father, as imperfect as he is will probably not answer that perfectly for him. And, and, and if the father really doesn't validate his son, then his son seeks validation elsewhere. And um, the, the reality is, he wrote another book called Fathered by God. And he talks about how when we can separate our validation as a man, as a, as a, a human being from our father, realize that f- our dad is not God, that we can get that validation elsewhere, 
outside of our own father, that's when we become strong. Um, it's important that we're dealing with mortals here. We're dealing with imperfect beings who will hurt us because they're imperfect. And so when we can separate ourselves from that and find our worth and find our value outside of our a need for validation from mom and dad, then, um, then we're going to be strong, right? So we're all seeking for that, though, and we all have it to some degree. Um, one reason for, for sex addiction is <clears throat> masculinity cannot be bestowed on somebody by, by femininity. So, so what that means is when father is not there, when, when father's just not available, stuck in his own addiction or whatever, wherever he is, whatever's going on, um, a, a boy will turn to the feminine to say, please validate me and show me that I'm worth it and that I'm okay. And either through getting it from mom or getting it through sex and, and getting it through porn and, and, and in those ways. And as much as he tries to get it there, he won't feel okay about himself. So the recovery process, a big part of it is saying, okay, how do I find this, this masculinity and this validation as a man outside of a woman and outside of, from my, outside of my own father who's not giving it to me, who's not there, right? So am I, am I it sounds interesting. Yeah, sense? it's deep. It's deep. And yeah. so how do people even go about starting this work? Because I feel like, Kobe, this was like further along in recovery when this was even brought out to the table. Yeah. And that's our own journey, right? It's not the journey. Um, how do you even but go But I think there's got to be a certain level of recovery that's in order to get out of the fog so, of addiction. So I've kind of changed my, my stance on this a little bit. It used to be, let's really work on sobriety for like months before we even touch these wounds. Um, because if we go try to touch these wounds, you'll be so triggered mm -hmm. that you won't, you won't be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. um, so let's work on relapse prevention tools. Let's set up systems so that you can stay sober. Um, I've really shifted that though. Uh, what I found is that going to the wounds early is okay, um, that they can tolerate it, that, that if we're setting up just a white knuckle, try to stay sober while you're in a ton of pain, it doesn't really work. And so let's dive right down to the pain, look at it, start to work. And, and this is where EMDR comes in. Um, this is where just understanding identity and who they are comes in at the early stages of recovery. So this is like helping them connect dots is what you're saying early in recovery. So why that they am understand. I the way that I, why am yeah. I the way that I am? And yeah. yeah. Why do I, why do I interact with my partner this way? Why do um, I have a need for this addiction? Yeah. Why don't I want to let go of this addiction? And all of those can uh, answers can be found through like really looking at and discovering your wounds yeah. and your faulty core beliefs. This is a big, big topic. And, uh, we could go on forever. Yeah. I'm, yeah. It, it actually is it in truth. It's, it's, um, it hits a pain point for me and it's scary. And it's obviously because I've got wounds that need, uh, that need to be healed. And, uh, and Kevin's there's resources to help me do with that. Yeah. You're, do you're doing the hard work, Kobe. He is. And I will say this, um, yesterday this yeah. isn't easy work let me just assure no. you no and that's the hard part i really appreciate what you're saying brandon that you have adjusted and said you know what i'm going to do things differently even though you yeah. have all this experience that yeah. you see the value in changing things up because 
Kobe, not to say that we did it the wrong way or the right way, but Kobe didn't work on this stuff early on. And he's now, you know, we've taken that break from therapy and he's going back. I want to invite you guys over to our premium site where you get in-depth content and access to us. We answer questions there for you and you get interaction with like-minded people. To find that site, go ahead and click details and scroll to the bottom. You'll see the link to our Patreon site.